0: Burnout is real in the world of pharmacy and healthcare, yet we find ourselves not being able to get out of it. How do we combat burnout in our everyday job in pharmacy? Welcome to Level Up Your Pharmacy Practice, a podcast you can tune into each week to learn about best practices, new technologies, and staffing resources to level up your pharmacy practice. New episodes drop each Friday morning on the CE Impact Podcast. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. This week's episode is Combating Burnout with a New Business Model. Pharmacist Jake Galdo speaks with pharmacist Randy McDonough on how to adopt this model by making small but incremental change to bring happiness and safety back to everyday work life. Brandy, I was uh, staffing over the weekend, and I staff every so often, so I am not the most in tuned or adept, but I I know what I'm doing for the most part, and I can can make it work. And at one point, I had caught a misfill, was trying to counsel a patient on her dog's seizure medication, and had two patients waiting on flu shots, both of which had rejected insurances. So it was chaos. And our pharmacy technician was like, go just give them shots. And I'm like, I can't give them shots, not billed yet. And even though this was just a finite moment of my, my week, of my life, it is stressful. And I can only imagine how stressful it is for people that do this 14 hours a day, five days a week. You know, it shouldn't be five days a week, it ends up being five days a week. So can you just help us understand what is going on with the state of pharmacy practice right now and the fact that it is so stressful And everybody wants to quit or leave in droves. Like what's happening right now that makes it so bad so we can start to think about how we can evolve our profession to make it better?
1: That's a very large question. (laughs) I know, right? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of things involved in that question. But um, I think what has happened, Jake, is how the profession has evolved. And, you know, as we look at, you know, You know, 50, 60 years ago, when manufacturers started, you know, making the drugs and the pharmacists who used to be compounders had to find a role for themselves, their role really became more of the distributor. And being the distributor meant to make sure the patients were being counseled and that they understood how to take the medications, even though we were not supposed to really talk to the patient or interfere in between the patient and the physician um, relationship. Pharmacists still had some responsibilities. Then it evolved where the pharmacists did have responsibilities. You got the oath of the pharmacist, and that pharmacist had to now take care of the patient as well. The problem is that although our profession has evolved from being a, someone in apothecary to someone who was just distributing without counseling to someone uh, who has outcomes responsibility for the patient's medications, that it's evolved our role where we're doing more and more and more. Yet The reimbursement model stayed way back where it's more on the product distribution. And so all those things that you just talked about happen routinely, right, on a minute-by-minute basis within all community pharmacies. And the problem is that a lot of business models that have been set up have been to be as efficient as you can on the distribution side. So you have a limited staff. So that means all that work and all those issues that you just mentioned are falling on just a few people, maybe one or two people. And that just that's just overwhelming, right? And it's like all those things happen at once and it's chaotic, it's frustrating, and the stress levels are unbelievable. And so for me, that's what's so bad. And that's happening across the board in a lot of pharmacies that are around the country. And I hear it, I see it, and it's a big push. Um, to see what we have to do to reduce that kind of stress level for pharmacists and that burnout syndrome that we hear so much about. But that's so the what way- we're
0: essentially saying is that we have this this environment that is that is incentivizing, just toss out the fast food, toss out the prescriptions and slap a label on it. Why does it take so long to put a label on it? And And we have professionally, cognitively evolved, but we haven't maybe marketed or shown to the public that's happened and and you know i was reading recently uh a book about time management and it was like we only have four thousand weeks in our lives like if you ask an average person like how many weeks do you live and they're like eight twenty thousand you're like no no we've lived for four thousand weeks and there's always this focus on the future the future the future and less focus on the present and how we just kind of enjoy now? Because time is always moving in one direction. I know that there's a lot of movies out there that show that it doesn't, but time moves forward. And so I think to your point, it's almost like, how do we pause and say, yes, we're, we're adding new responsibilities onto ourselves, but how do we take stuff away so that we can excel in the present?
1: Well, that's a good question. And that's kind of the model that that I've tried to create within my own practice. When I left the university um, position. And became a co-owner of Towncrest Pharmacies. I did not want what you just talked about. I did not want where my life was just being chaotic. And I wasn't enjoying why I went to pharmacy in the first place. And I realized, though, I was going to have to create a new business model. But I also realized it was going to take time. It doesn't just happen overnight. But that's how we came up with, you know, um, Make Every Encounter Count is a good example of that. Where we said we have to change first what we do within the pharmacy. And we got to utilize the resources, which includes optimizing use of our technicians, optimizing technology, having Slack resources. So that extra staff on board for when you do have a chaotic situation that you just talked about, some of that can be um, given off to the next person to help out with that. And so by creating the environment that we did, um, although people were critical saying, well, your reimbursement is going to be lower uh, because your HR costs are going to be higher and, and they just did not see my, my madness, <laughs> you know my rationale for my madness. But I tell you what was cool though, Jake, is after I'd say two to three years of, of investing in the practice developed that, we developed a situation where it's a very enjoyable practice. still has all that stuff that you just talked about. But it's staffed in such a way that we got multiple people working on multiple things so it's not falling on just one or two individuals. yet we're still very profitable because we have diversified because we're able to do that because of the staffing that we have and provide the kind of services for which we feel very good about. So burnout doesn't really exist within our practice. I'd stay on a, you know, once in a while on a day, you might be burned up because of all the things that have happened. But for the most part, people like waking up coming to the pharmacy and working and having impact on patients, because that's how we actually have developed our practices to take full advantage of the skills and knowledge of a lot of people and use of technology and really focus that on patient care.
0: You know, what I really love about what you just kind of explained right there and, and you used your practice as an example is I'll talk to friends and colleagues and they'll often, you know, they'll, they'll hear that. I know you and they'll be like, Jake, how do I become like Randy McDonough? How do I become like Towncrest pharmacy? Like, how does that happen? And it's like, well, Change what you're doing. Look to the future and do something a little bit different. Disrupt a little bit. And I love that you said that it took you two to three years to get to this vision. That everybody says, "I want that now," but it took you two to three years to get there. And and part of it is that it's not. It's a vicious cycle. Oh man, I can't. I don't have time to get away from the bench because I, I had all that stuff going on, so I just can't think about it. But we need to disrupt it. Otherwise, you stay in that vicious cycle. So you have to disrupt it to go into a new direction. And that's kind of what you talked about doing and your make every encounter count is a nice example of it. You look at the patient in front of you and you focus on them regardless. And so for, for that misfill that I, that I had on Saturday, you know, it really wasn't terrible. It was a Traceva uh, 100 units per mil. That was what was written. And we had labeled 200 units. It's a pen. They would have gotten the right dose. It would have been fine, but it's still wrong. And so I took the time to like, take the label off, go and talk to the patient, said, Hey, look, are you completely out of insulin? If you're completely out, this is the only thing I've gotten. I'm going to change the prescription. I'm going to get you a drug. I don't know how legal that is, but I'm going to do it. Right? Or are you good until Monday? And they said, You know, we're good until Monday. We really appreciate you talking to us about it. And they moved forward. So I made that encounter count, even though it was our mistake. I had the wrong drug, but they left happy being like, Wow, look at what they've done for us. And another way that that's been happening that I've seen in practice, and this is something that we can now talk about, is something that I know that your pharmacy is doing. So we have a, another episode coming up with your amazing resident and the work that she's doing in this realm. Uh, but you know what we've been doing is just checking for patients' weight or their allergies and just kind of updating it. And I remember on Saturday, I just asked this random woman like, hey, what's your weight and what allergies do you have? And she answered and then said, that's a really weird question. Why did you ask me? And my typical retort is, well, drugs are weight based, and I want to make sure the dose is right for you. And, you know, there's this look of surprise, like, oh, God, yes, here, like, let me give you an electronic scale that drops off my weight on a regular basis, because you need to know that. So to me, that's making every encounter count. I had this person in front of me, and I was talking to them, and I made them feel special, but I gained the information that I needed for us to be different. So... How have those incremental changes, like the make every encounter count, like checking serum creatinine or weight or allergies, changed your practice? And is that kind of what shifted you in that new direction?
1: Yeah. And I think the key term, <clears throat> excuse me, the key term that you just talked about was incremental change. That's something I want people to understand is what they see today is 15 years later after I've created these changes. And so now they see the final output and they're like, whoa, and I'm still. Evolving as we talk now. So that's the one thing what people understand is you make small changes, see what it has on the impact of the practice on the bottom line, and you need to make the next change. Because what you can't do is make all the changes because you can't afford to, right? That's that's part of the issue. But those incremental changes that you talk about as far as focusing on the patient at that time, that was always our big thing, right? I can remember back when I was in pharmacy school learning you know, about Strand and Hepler and the new professional model of pharmacy, pharmaceutical care, but they also, you know, defined or um, listed the types of drug therapy problems, categorized the types of drug therapy problems. And I'm like, really, that's what we do as pharmacists is when we work with our patients, we diagnose medication related problems. We don't diagnose conditions. That's, you know, the physician's um, expertise, but what we do is to assess the patient to see, are they having a drug therapy problem? Those drug therapy problems would entail, is it the right drug, right dose? They need additional medication. So there's seven different categories, right, that we're trying to look at. What I have found out, much like what you have in, in your, your week uh, weekend staffing, is that I'm going to find problems if I look. And I have taught my residents, and I have taught my students, and I have taught my pharmacists that I go into every encounter with every patient as if a problem exists, and most times I'm right. So it's taking the time to spend with the patient to find out have they optimized their medication for their condition, and if not, what is it that we need to do to help them do that? So you're absolutely right. It's those small bits of information that we're collecting from the patient that helps us to identify those problems.
0: And so what does this mean for us professionally, because I think that's a, the, the larger overarching kind of theme that's going on is that professionally, we're tired and we're burned out and we all just don't want to do this anymore. But we know that there's this new model that exists where we can engage patients differently. And I'm ignoring the financial side for now, we'll, we'll come back to that, right, uh, on another day. But it really is, hey, we, we can engage our patients differently and help them if we change our conversation. And what it sounds like is that is the new standard at Towncrest Pharmacy and the pharmacies that you work and support. And so, again, going back to my friend that said, I want to be like Randy, but there's just too much and I don't have, like, there was no sense of urgency. You know, as you and I have talked about it, I think that there is a sense of urgency, but it's more of a stick than a carrot, which is not the best way to do it. But I think that we we are oblivious to if we don't focus in on it. And it's liability if you're telling me that there's a patient issue, there's a discoverable issue at every encounter, that means that if I'm not finding it, how, how liable am I? Am I at trouble? Like, is that something that as our practice changes, that's the new standard?
1: Yeah. I think there's a couple of things that you mentioned there, professionalism and liability. The first thing on the professionalism is I can tell you that I've been in those other models where it's just a dispensing model. And I was burned out as much as anybody else. I was discouraged. And I just felt like, what am I doing? I don't want to be a pharmacist anymore. When I decided to move from my academic model to being an owner, I said, now I have the right to um, change things and make it the hand of practice that I want to. So it was much more professional and I was enjoying myself. This is what I went to school for. So I, you know, it just changed my attitude about this is what we do, but not just my attitude, but the whole practice's attitude and all the staff's attitude about what we do. And that that really changed the culture of the practice at that point. But with that professionalism, with that active work you do with patients to identify and resolve medication related problems, you do have more liability. So you can't just have all good without having some responsibility on the back end. And that back end is if you're not catching these problems, and the patient has an adverse event because they were not on the right medication or the right dose, whose responsibility is that? We clamor and we claw and we, we complain that we are not providers right under CMS. Well, I, I want to be a provider. I'll fight for that, but there will become some responsibilities with that. And that includes that now we become more liable. I've been an expert witness on multiple cases where it used to be where If the pharmacist didn't do it, but it was by a direct order of the physician, it just got passed over to the physician. The more recent cases that I've been involved in, um, I said, no. And, you know, I, and I was the one that actually was supposed to be supporting the pharmacist. And I said, no, they have a responsibility to ensure that patient is not having a medication related problem. And they didn't do that. Therefore they're liable for that. And I think that liability is going to make some pharmacists a little bit nervous but I think for those pharmacists who have kept up, who feel comfortable with their knowledge and their skill sets, and this is where that's part of that professionalism to continue on with lifelong learning, they're going to see this as being refreshing that, yeah, I'll take on that responsibility and I'll take on that liability because I know that I've got the knowledge and the skill set to ensure that that patient's optimized their medications.
0: And what I think is really interesting about it is that change, that by, that, that, that shift that's now happening because we used to be able to put our head in the sand. And just say not it, but I don't think that's a good foundation to stand on anymore. You know, it's kind of interesting to to relate it to to like what's going on with COVID nineteen vaccines, boosters, additional doses, like all these things that are happening. And and I was talking to a clinical coordinator, and the response was, "I mean, the 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 chain down the street's doing it, so I can do it." Like, oh, that is not the that's not the mindset that we want to have. Look for yourself, go off of what you know. What does the prep act say what are the recommendations for you doesn't matter if the person down the street's doing it you do you and i think that that's good advice for any of us in any practice setting you know wherever we're at because if we're not comfortable about to provide that care then don't provide that care
1: i totally agree jake and i know i've seen that firsthand within our own practice as well And that's not our model. Our model is not just to jump in because everybody else has jumped in, but to really look at, you know, what is the prep act telling us? What is the information that's out there? What's the most accurate information that I need to be providing patients? Because they're getting a lot of misinformation out there. And so they're coming to you now and expecting you. And I've had people who told me, you know, where it'd be more like group homes or a large number of people that were taken care of saying, well, if you won't do it, we'll go down the road because there's another pharmacy that will do it for us. And that required much like when you took the time to talk to the patient about their insulin, I said, let's talk about this before you make that move. And we talked about well, what is actually um, been approved at this point and what is it that I can actually do for you at this point versus what someone says they can do for you. And what's the liability associated for you taking responsibility on bringing a group of people to me to provide them with booster shots if they're not actually eligible yet? After we had that conversation, which was no more than about 10, 15 minutes, they said, you know what? We want to stay with you and you keep us informed as this evolves. And so now um, that was several weeks ago, I think when you and I first talked about that, we got them all scheduled for boosters now, right? We have got we went through, we found out what was being approved and everything else. We we went through the process, we educated them, and now we're set up to do all their, um, their COVID-19 booster shots in addition to... We said, let's make sure we take care of the flu shot while we're doing this as well, too. And we not only took care of our existing customers, existing groups that we're taking care of because we did it the right way. They've asked us to take care of some other facilities that they um, are responsible for. So we actually increased our business uh, because of that as well, too. So I always tell people do what's right by the patient. Don't feel um, pressured to do something that you believe is not the right thing to do. Make sure you do your homework. Make sure you're knowledgeable about the situation. And then once you feel like you're fully informed, then move forward and do it with quality.
0: I think that that's a great way to, to kind of end this conversation, to really think about you know, how we are professionals and we're disrupting everything and changing. Because ultimately, it's the, uh, the Albert Einstein quote. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results so for all of us in the daily grind doing it again and again and again saying i want something different that means we have to change and the change is being a professional engaging your patients and making every encounter count and and focusing on the person in front of you regardless of what else is going on
1: yeah i totally agree and you know i i'm very excited about where i'm at in the profession and i was talking to a group of students in the past week, in fact, two different groups of students. And they thought it was very interesting when I told them that there's more um, opportunity for us today than there ever has been, even more so back when I graduated, when jobs were plentiful. I said, The difference between back then when I graduated in 87 and today is that there are new opportunities for pharmacists that we could never have dreamt of in the past. But part of that is going to be those students um, taking on those new opportunities and help to evolve them because they're not quite evolved yet. So I don't know what this final profession is going to look like, but I can tell you this, what I do know is that pharmacists will have responsibility for patient care. Pharmacists will be recognized for that patient care and pharmacists will be paid for that patient care. I do know that confidently. And so now it's going to be up to each individual pharmacist to take their own practice, their own corner of the world, and make it different for themselves so that they're improving not only their practice setting, but they're improving the care of patients.
0: I love it. Thanks, Randy. I look forward to our next conversation.
1: All right, thanks Jake.